Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. I appreciate all of you being attentive and and uh, your kind comments. I know that some of of what I've taught over the last few weeks has challenged uh, some of you, um, to some of you to the point that you've come and spoken to me and said, "Hey, what's the deal with this?" And and, and so I know that we're being challenged. And and please keep in mind that that that's who our God is, that that He loves us where we are, but he refuses to leave us there. And you might remember in weeks past that we talked from Isaiah chapter 55, we, we talked about how God's word comes down from heaven and, and waters and produces and so forth. And at the end of that verse, it says, it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Those two areas of seed time and harvest and that understanding is what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about when you pray. So what I want you to understand, I'm going to give you the answer, pay attention early in the sermon here so that when we get through this, you'll see the building blocks that leads to this answer, okay? But when the Word of God goes forth, it goes forth through and into, through the heavenlies, but into a carrier, a depository, Literally an answer carrier. So when the word of God is sent for you and you meet with God in prayer, he will deposit in you, sometimes without you even knowing, he will deposit in you the answer. You all are responsible to carry your own answers to your own prayers. Okay. Let me try again. I know you think, oh, no, God answers prayers. Okay, you're right. God answers prayers. But are you aware that he wrote his answers down and put them in the book? And he speaks them. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but rather by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And God is always speaking. And his word is his answer. So when you meet with him and he gives you his word, he gives you the accomplishment. You may not recognize it, but he gives you the accomplishment that he pleases to have happen. You are the carrier of your own answers in prayer. Yay. Let's go home. Do you get it? See, just stop waiting for God to, to light something on fire. You know, I mean, most of you, all you would get out of a burning bush experience is blisters. You know, you, sorry. When you meet with God, he deposits in you what he pleases. It says right there. His word goes forth from his mouth. Listen, prayer is a conversation. Some of you, after, after talking to God, should take just a freckle worth of time and listen. Okay? He's going to speak to you. It will not return void. The design of God's word, literally his answer to your difficulties, will not come into your life and be void or unemployed or not produced. There's a thing that he accomplishes. Now, you may not recognize what he wants to accomplish. Because what you ask God for in prayer, and what you get from God in prayer may not be recognizable as the same thing. 
You need to recognize what God puts in you. Because when he puts it in you, it is the answer. Now, if he gives you the answer, please adjust your question. That's the, that's the reason people don't believe they have answered prayer. Is they keep asking the wrong question. God gives them the answer, and because the answer doesn't fit their question, they don't have enough giddy-up to switch the question. Isn't that interesting? So we just keep asking the same question. And then we get angry at God, which is really great, because you're carrying the answer in you as a container. You're carrying the answer to your prayer. But you get angry at God because he didn't give you an answer. How many of you have ever, ever held something in your hand while walking through your house looking for the thing you have in your hand? Any of you ever had your sunglasses on your head? Yeah, thank you. She's pointing at her sunglasses on her hair going, I wonder what it is my sunglasses. Yep, you got them already. My granddaughter got in my car recently and, and, and the, the car that we just got rid of had a key. I know that for some of you, you know, that don't have cars with keys anymore. You just, and she said, where's the button? See, what she had learned was the answer to her question, how do you start the car, was a button. That was her knowledge. And I said, well, honey, if you'll just put that key I put in your hand in that little slot right there and turn it. It was almost like it was too much work. She had the answer in her hand. Right? And, and so now some of my other grandkids, I got another one, the young man who is turning 15 um, in December, and he took driver's ed. And he got to drive on a simulator. So I picked him up after his simulation training. And he said, Papa, I know how to drive. <laughs> he thought he had the answer. How many of you know that the answer is also for driving is also qualified by a few other boundaries? The fact is you can drive on a television set doesn't make you able to sit in a 5,000-pound car that'll go 130 miles an hour and say, I know how to do this. That doesn't always work. So the point is, in prayer sometimes, we say, well, I know how to do this, so I'm just going to ask God for what I want. Unless your desires line up with Him, you're going to be wanting a lot. And I'm going to try and show that to you today. It'll accomplish what he pleases. It'll prosper. It'll literally produce a benefit for the thing in which he sent it. Now, the benefit is not the thing you necessarily ask for, but rather the thing he sent it for. I have prayed for God to change my wife, and he worked on me. The thing he sent it for was not the thing I asked for. I was fairly frustrated with that because I knew how God needed to make my wife. And what God did was adjust me. And I'm still a bit tiffed about it. I know some of you are too because the person you've been praying for is still the same way. But God changed you. He prospered his word in the thing he sent it for, which was you, 
not them. Many of us pray for the world. Oh, you got to fix the world, God. I just want to tell you something. God isn't fixing the world. He's fixing you. Isn't that encouraging? Wait, you mean he's going to fix me? That's going to be his whole goal is just mess with you. You build it up. God is, is honestly, God is like a sandcastle wrecker. You know, if you go to a beach and the sand is just perfectly wet, you can build something really nice. But if you're there with a family, with your family, somebody in your family is a sandcastle wrecker. Or the Lego castle or whatever. I mean, they just, they just sit back and watch and wait for you to get done. Then they go over and step on it. I had an art teacher like that when I was in school. He'd say, well, you got to paint this tree. I don't understand why you need to paint a tree. Can't you just go outside and look at one? And so he says, that's not right. And so he'd come over. And you know, I hate people like this. They're really good at something. And so they go, boom, 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 boom. See, that's what it's supposed to look like. And then they take the piece of paper and throw it away. I want to be graded for that piece of paper. I want to be graded for the intent of the teacher. Are you with me? I want to be graded for the intent of the teacher. But what the teacher wants you to do is to be able to do what he just showed you. What God wants you to do is not to be graded based on his intent, but for you to become the object of his intent. To prosper in the thing in which he sent it. It's not always easy, people of God. Okay, are you ready? So when you pray, Matthew chapter 11. Look at this in verse 28. Come to me. Okay, can I, can, should I read it and then teach it to you, or can I just teach it as it hits me? God expects for you to approach him. Come to me, he says. And he says, here's how you'll know when you need to come. All you who are heavy, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. Do you know what it means to be heavy laden? To be bowed down under a weight. Here's the thing you need to understand about prayer. Prayer is designed to be an exchange. You bring your stuff to him, he gives you his stuff. You bring your stuff to him, he gives you his stuff. It's designed to be an exchange. <laughs> so he says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What do you do? You bring the laboring and the weight that you're carrying, and you say, listen, I heard I could come to you and leave this stuff with you. He says, yes, leave it here. I'll give you rest. The problem is we go up and complain about what we're carrying without ever staying long enough to take the answer, which is his rest. We drop our complaint off at the complaint office of heaven, without ever staying long enough to get the answer. I've given you rest. What do you mean you've given it to me? Yep, it's in your hand. You're carrying the answer to your difficulty by meeting with God. And he says, listen, when I do that, it'll accomplish what I sent it for. It'll prosper in the very thing that I said. So notice what he says. Come to me and I will give. Here's your quote. If you leave his presence... Too soon, you will not be carrying your answer. You will only have attempted to drop off your complaint. Boy, I'm working hard. 
boy, I'm weighed down. Boy, this is a lot. And then if you do not stay long enough, you will not be carrying your answer. Heaven is not a complaint department. I don't like how the world is. He says, come to me and I will give. That's the nature of exchange. That's the seed of prayer and the harvest of God's intent. He intends for you to rest. Look at the next part of this. Then he says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Wait a minute. I brought the heavy stuff up that I'm, that I'm burdened down. And he says, <laughs> yeah, now take this yoke. Well, how many of you understand that the yoke is designed for two? The yoke bridges the gap between your shoulders and God's or Jesus' shoulders. He says, take my yoke. Be yoked up with me. Now, if we were to, we're, we're trying to finish our garage. Many of you drive by just to see what we're doing. And, and now that, that we're kind of inside working, you may not realize. But my wife and I the other day moved maybe 20 sheets of drywall. Yeah. We had to tear them apart because we could only lift one at a time. <laughs> and so instead of 10 moves, we made 20 moves. What we learned as husband and wife in that thing is that when you're connected by an immovable object, it's really important that you pay attention to how the other one moves. Because if you zig and the other one's not zigging at the same time, that yoke of wallboard can trip you both. Do you understand that when you step into the yoke, the answer that God gives you is his learning. Nobody wants a prayer that says, oh, God, please help me. And he says, let me teach you something. No, I don't want that. I graduated from school, high school, almost 50 years ago. I'm done. I don't need no more teaching. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, And you need no one to teach you, but rather the anointing teaches you, and is the truth and not a lie. You don't need anybody to teach you. You just need to get under the yoke of Jesus Christ, where movement by yourself puts a strain on you that's untenable. You, being under the yoke with Jesus and moving wrong puts pressure and pain on you. We need, to be, we need to learn of him. That's what prayer does. Here's your quote. If you leave his presence without his yoke, you will not be carrying your answer. If you don't exchange your weight for a connection with God, don't leave too soon. Get the connection with God. When you realize that if you say, okay, I, here you go, God, and you start to move and you realize that the other half of your yoke is not moving yet. You go, okay, right, it's not time to move. Do you, do you, we had, Tracy and I had moved at least eight or ten, you know, pieces. And I looked over and she's laboring a little bit. And I said, do you need to rest a little bit? Now this is all leading up to this sermon. I'm going, come to me all you who work and are heavy laden and I'll give you, do you need to rest? We don't even recognize it in ourselves, but the person we're yoked to is saying, you need to rest. 
That's what Jesus does. And so we get out there on our own, we start to move, and it's uncomfortable for us to move because we're yoked together with Jesus, and Jesus isn't moving. And we say, Jesus, don't you understand? This, here, are you ready? This is an emergency. You need to move quickly and often and powerfully and right now. Did you know that there is no such thing as an emergency in heaven? Did you know that? You say, well, how do you know there's not? Because Jesus tells us not to worry, not to be anxious, not to get worked up. And when we're worked up, it's because it doesn't look like whatever we want is working. And it looks like it's an emergency. What's the emergency? The emergency is I wanted it to happen a long time ago. At least yesterday. At least some time ago. But see, I'm yoked with Jesus. And Jesus says, just hang on. You need to rest. And I say to Jesus, I don't have time to rest. We've got things to do. I just told Jesus that he and I had things to do. Didn't he know that? Didn't he know that we, me and Jesus, that we had things to do? He knew that perfectly. He just didn't agree that we needed to do it right now. See, if you leave too early without recognizing the yoke, you won't be carrying your answer. The yoke of Jesus Christ is part of your answer, to be tied together with him. It's not always fun. Notice it says in verse 30, he says, he says learn from me. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. What did he just say? He said, I'm not going to give you the answer at the top of my lungs. It's a still small voice, not a loud, obnoxious one. See, that's your answer. You say, no, Pastor, you don't understand. God needs to do something right now. Your right now and his right now are probably not in the dictionary next to each other. Notice what else he says in the 30th verse. Well, can I just go back for a second? Verse 28 says, I'll give you rest. Verse 29 says, I'll give you rest for your souls. Notice he says, I'll give you rest for your souls. Again, we get worked up internally. We can put a smile on, we can come to church, and we can say, wow, this is great, Pastor. But inside, everything's stirring. Everything's moving. We're really struggling in our soul, in our will, our intellect, and our emotion. We don't understand why God doesn't do what we ask him to do, which we also found support for in his word. We don't know why God hasn't done that yet. And we get stirred up in our soul. And yet the answer that God is giving us is a character lesson that empowers us to carry the weight of his answer. The weight of his answer. Several times in my life, I've gone to God. You know how, how you describe these times, right? Where you said, I went to God and I really prayed. Like really, you know, really? I really prayed. I really asked God. And the only answer God gave me is, just watch what I do. And I said, okay, that's awesome. Let's, let's do that. And you watch for, you know, a few minutes. And you think, well, when's he going to do it? When are the fireworks going to happen? 
And you watch for a day or two and you think, well, maybe I didn't hear right. And you go back to him with a really another good, really, really, really good prayer, right? And you call up the person who's a really good prayer. And you get them to really pray, right? And you watch for a few days and nothing happens. And you watch for a few weeks and nothing happens. Now, let me point something. Now, listen, listen carefully. God develops character for you to carry the answer that God's going to give you so that when it happens, you'll reflect the glory back on God, not on you. You have to have the character that honestly not, you know, when somebody sings a, a, a church solo and, they, and you say, oh, that's, 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 that's good. And they say, oh, what do you mean? It was God. Well, it wasn't that good. I mean, if God sings from heaven, can you imagine what it sounds like? It's awesome. It's not just good. See, that's, that's false humility. And what we do oftentimes is when we have answered prayer, he said, oh, yeah, you know, I gave a little money to the church and I did this and God just poured it out. That's all about you. But what God does with the yoke issue and giving rest to your souls is get you to have enough character stamina to truly reflect the glory back on God. That's why he said, I'll give you rest in your soul. Because see, your soul says, oh, I've told everybody I've really prayed. Nothing happened. I mean, I've really prayed and people have really died. And it didn't change God, not one bit. Not one bit did it change God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not one bit did it change God. Well, but they died. Didn't change God. Certainly changed me. And I complained. I took my complaint to the complaint department of heaven. And God said, just leave that here. And oh, by the way, hook up with Jesus for just a second. And then you try and leave. But he won't let you. Because you've got to stay long enough, right? Notice in verse 30, he says, for my yoke is easy. Yeah, right. My yoke is easy. Are you kidding me? His yoke is not easy. He will not let me do what I want to do when I want to do it. And by the way, that's how I would define easy. Come on, stay with me. How do you define easy? Do you find easy being told what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, and to have somebody watch over you so that you do it? Is that easy for you? Of course not. What we really want is a half-hearted prayer where God moves mountains because we found a scripture that says he will. He said, if you pray and believe, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. Well, just let me point out something to you. Good luck with that. Because you don't even understand what your mountain is. Because sometimes your mountain is you. And when you find yourself swimming for all that you can do, Swim, you neglected to realize that God moved your mountain. See, it's harder. When you pray, when you come to him, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When you leave his, here's your quote, when you leave his presence without his yoke, you'll not, oops, wrong one. If you leave his presence without the exchange, you'll still be weighed down with your heaviness, and it won't work.
You'll still be carrying yourself. You leave too early. You didn't take the exchange. You still have. I, I can remember as I was trying to learn this in my life, I would pray and then I would, I would leave that time of prayer and I would still be the same person. And I'd still feel the same way. And that brought me to my next learning lesson, which was Mark 11, where he says, when you pray, believe. Oh my. So I left the presence of God. I came to him when I was was laboring and heavy laden, but I didn't take his yoke upon me because I didn't receive. When you pray, believe, you receive. I went, okay, this is getting real difficult, God, because, see, I'm not sure what to receive. See, because I wasn't lined up with his answer yet. And I didn't realize that his answer oftentimes was developing character in me so that I could carry the glorious answer so that when it happened, I could reflect that glory back onto him rather than saying, look at me. It's a difficult thing. This is the principle of seed time and harvest. It is last week's message in Romans chapter 12 where you bring your body by the, by the, by the mercy of God as a living sacrifice. See, you can't do that without an exchange taking place. You say, oh, I just want my mind renewed. Nope. First thing you've got to do is present your body as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. A recognition. Now turn with me, if you will, to the book of Mark, chapter 11. Probably a, a passage of scripture that many of you know. But I want to just hone in. He says in verse 24, now you have to go back whenever you have a therefore in scripture, it is a culmination of what happened behind it. And so behind it, he says, have faith in God. Behind it, he says things like most assuredly or for assurity, whatsoever you want. Don't doubt in your heart. Believe. You'll have those things. Therefore, I say to you. Now, look at this. Whatever things you ask when you pray. Whatever things you ask. He is not qualifying what you should ask for at this point. He's trying to show you that when you ask for whatever it is you ask, the answer will come in a form that shows you the why, the what, and the how. The why, the what, and the how. Why would God meet our needs? He shows us that. He said, my word said, it's going to accomplish what I sent it for. And I said, Lord, I don't know exactly what you sent it for. He said, let me show you why I sent it. And then he sends it to me in a why. So here it is. Are you ready? When you pray, believe. If we leave his presence Without believing, you'll not be the receiver of the why, the what, and the how of answered prayer. If you leave his presence without believing, you'll not have the why, the what, or the how. Now you say, well, that's okay. Just tell me what it is it's supposed to be. That isn't the answer that God's prepared to give you. He's prepared to give you the why of his answer. Let me show it to you. John chapter 15. Let's just take the time. 
Well, maybe we'll be able to take the time. Let's just take the time to look at these. John chapter 15, look at this. Look at the fifth verse. John chapter 15. This is the why. Let me show you the why. If you leave his presence without believing, you'll not have the why, the what, and the how. See, when you get the why, you know how long to stay. Because the why is the reason. A compelling why will keep you in the presence of God. When you get the what, you know what to look for. You, need, you know what to look for that he said, I'm going to accomplish this. When he gives you the what, that's what you look for. When he gives you the how, that's when you recognize the circumstance that brings that answer into manifestation. The why, maybe I have to teach this over two weeks because some of you are going, wait, what? If you leave God's presence without believing, you won't have the why. Okay? You won't understand why God's doing what he's doing. Does that make sense? If you leave too soon, you won't have the what. You won't be able to recognize what he's doing. All you'll be able to say is, I didn't get what I wanted. Are we together? Because see, if you don't recognize the what, you won't realize when God answers your prayer. Are we together? Keep looking. So look at this. And he says, I'll show you the how. I'm going to give you those three things. I got 12 minutes to do it in my time clock. And we may touch it again next week. It's so important. So much of the time we complain about not having answered prayer when in reality we had the answer in us, but we didn't embrace the why. We didn't understand the what, and we didn't recognize the how. I'll show, I'll show it to you. It's in his word. Notice it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Verse 5 of chapter 15. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. He's going to begin through these three or four verses I'm going to read to show you the why. Here's why he answers prayer. Okay? He answers prayer because, are you ready? For without me, you can do nothing. If you leave heaven too early without believing, you will believe believing that you can do something. If you stay long enough, you'll realize that you can't do anything on your own. That's the why of answered prayer. I can't do it. Unless God steps in, we won't have the right why. You cannot pray effectively enough to bring healing. Healing came in Jesus Christ. The why is, apart from you, God, I can't get it done. And you embrace that. That's the yoke thing that God tries to give us when we meet to him. He says, just stay yoked up with Jesus. He's the guy that got all the answers. Without him, we can do nothing. Notice the sixth verse. If anyone does not abide, if you do not stay in the known, felt presence of God himself... That's what abiding, literally the word means to pitch your tent in the face of. It's like going and finding God, going and finding Jesus, finding his face and say, just a second, I got to build my tent. I'm putting it right there in front of him. That's what it means to abide. He says, if you do not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. 
Notice he says, if you don't stay long enough to build your tent right in the face of God, you're going to be handled like waste branches in a pruning situation. They're gathered together, thrown into the fire, and burnt. He uses a physical example that all of them, this is like olive territory, people of God. When they used this, they understood because they grew a lot of tree fruit there, dates. Many of the dates still to this day come from the Middle East. Much of the olives comes from around the Mediterranean there. They knew how to prune those things. Many of the of the of the uh, types of, of wine and champagnes come from grape gathering in those areas around the Mediterranean. It was a known world at that point. He was speaking to people who would have understood this. And he says, listen, if you don't abide, if you don't stay there until you get this understanding, your branch is going to be pruned and thrown into the fire. You say, wow, throw, yeah, but, but understand, this is, this is a, 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 like a metaphorical picture. And he's saying to you, listen, you don't understand. I'm going to take you, put you in the fire so you can be improved. When an, an olive tree or a date tree or a, 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 a grapevine is pruned, it literally produces more fruit after the pruning. They're better after the fact. But you see, we don't understand that God's intent that he sent his word for is to make us better at producing fruit. And so then we whine about the fire we're in without ever recognizing that the fire we're in is meant to develop the character that we need to carry the answer that we don't know that we yet need. Because in your future, you need bigger answers than how do I pay my electric bill tomorrow. Does that make sense? I mean, real life stuff starts happening that has nothing to do with your electric bill. It has nothing to do with having, you know, $20 to buy a soda or whatever. It has to do with real life and death stuff. And you need the character development to carry the stamina necessary to carry the weight of the yoke that God... It's easy. It's gentle, right? But boy, Jesus is doing most of the work and it still weighs us down. We learned those things. We developed the character necessary to carry the answers that God has for us. This is the why. Notice it says in verse number 7, If you abide in me, and here's the second part, and my words abide in you, then you will ask whatever you desire. There's a responsibility that when you go to him in prayer, you stay long enough until your desires morph into his desires. And then you come back carrying his desire. That's the answer. That's the why. Oh God, I'd sure like to have more money. You just blow it like you're blowing what you got now. What's he do? He puts you under the test of fire, the, the pruning, so that you can carry the answer with the character that God designed you to carry with. Many of us in our mind have plotted what we would do with a great inheritance or the winning of the lottery or the million dollars that somebody was going to give us. In my case, it was the million dollars that I was going to find alongside the road as I rode my bicycle. Just a sack of money that said U.S. Mint, you know, pick that thing up. But how many of you know that if that actually happens, probably the reason it happened is because God developed enough character in you that it's not your money. You would actually turn it in 
oh, rats. Right? What happened? Why, why don't you have those things? Because he's developing character for you to reflect honor, glory back on him. See? It's just, it's so important that you recognize how this seed time and harvest, because you're harvesting the intent of the Father. Now notice he says in the seventh verse, he says, If you abide in me and my words in you, you'll ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. Notice it doesn't say it'll be done by you. For you. It literally uses a, a Greek word, E-I-S, it's pronounced ice, and it means in relationship to your desire. It'll be done for you, or literally in relationship to your desire. So when your desire is formed by the word of God, when you stay in, if you, if you spend enough time in his presence, your desires will change. You go, that'll be so good, God, way to go. And he says, let me do that for you. For what? For your desire. It's a reflection of the desire that God put in your heart through his word. Amen. Look at the eighth verse. By this, my father, see, these are all the whys. Why do we get answered prayer? This is the why. If you don't stay long enough, you will not get the why. See, we pray and we get what we want because it makes us comfortable or it brings us to a place where we get what we want. Even in, even in healing, where, where that reflection is, oh boy, I prayed. And I know a lot of people who have prayed and they didn't get it. So man, God singled me out. Nope. He wanted you to have the understanding character-wise so, so you would reflect the glory and honor back onto him. And this is not something you can do by saying, yeah, isn't God great? No, it's a total dependence. Without God, you're nothing. You can't just say it. It's not like, it's not an issue of discipline. It's an issue, it's an issue of presence experience. When you're in God's presence, you find your smallness. When you leave, you leave with his bigness. Does that make sense? That's the why. That's how God does things through his people. Now notice if you would back in Matthew chapter 7. Here comes the what. Are you ready? We got the why. Without him we can do nothing. Without him life is destined for destruction. Without him we'll only have our own desires. Not his desires. Right? Without him the father is not glorified and fruit is not produced to his benefit. See that's the Why? That's what he proposed it would do or purposed that it would do. It accomplishes that. What he sent it to prosper. And look at the seventh verse of chapter 7, Matthew. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Underline that in your Bible if you're using a paper Bible. Highlight it in your, in your digital device. How much more? He just showed you that in his presence, you'll recognize how much more he desires to give you than what you came there for. How much more will the Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? If you leave his presence too early, you will blame God for what you don't have. You'll blame God for the bad things that you have. Well, if God was God, he'd do these good things for me. 
Do you understand what I'm saying here? If you leave his presence, if you do not sow the seed of prayer and presence, you will not harvest the seed of intention of God. Harvest the, the harvest of the intention of God. Are you with me? That's the what? The good things from a good father. He even says in John chapter 16, let's just look at it. We got, we got time. I, I really, I'll touch this again next week. How that be? You just, just, just get it. I want you just to get it. So much of the time we're spending time in prayer, taking our desires and never experiencing the exchange, the exchange of our desires for his desires and leaving there with the answer that God intends us to operate in. Look at John chapter 16, look at the 23rd verse. He says, in that day, you will ask me nothing. For assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, verse 24 says, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The what is meant to fill your joy to overflowing. Now, don't get happy on me for just a second. Because joy has a spiritual heavenly economy principle. It's the thing that Jesus saw that allowed him to endure the cross. This joy will take you through anything and everything that you can go through in life because that's the answer to what. Here's what, here's what you, he's going to fill your joy. He's going to give you good things that will fill your joy. You say, oh, you don't understand, Pastor Glenn. Uh, don't make this so spiritual. All I really need him to do is pay my electric bill. Well, we can do that too. But I want to tell you, it's a whole different life when you live with a spiritual economy of joy. <laughs> don't raise your hands, but... How many of you maybe had a time in your life where you were pretty sure your God was angry? He's mad, man. And he's mad at you. You ain't holding up your end. And you're a waste of breath. And then some good-hearted Christian says, well, that's right, you know, we're nothing but sinners. Um, you can be a sinner if you want to, but I've been changed. I exchanged my sin for his grace. Thank you very much. And I don't have any intention of picking that sin back up. He says, don't you ever sin? Yeah, I do. I'm not all that proud of it. But I go take that to him and I exchange it for some grace. I used to sin in the parking lot. Do you ever sin in a parking lot? I do. There's always somebody who takes your parking spot. Huh. How dare they? That one was mine. First of all, it didn't have your name on it. And second of all, wouldn't you just want to choose your brother or sister? The last time I got frustrated when I was driving, I actually was frustrated over not recognizing that I could have caused an accident or even worse. One of those times where somebody gets so wound up that they chase you down, right? And so I changed lanes and... I was driving by this, this um, uh, bridge embankment and it was all painted gray. And I changed lane and there was a gray car back there that blended right into the, uh, you know, to the, to the landscape that was there. You know, the, the, the bars and stuff. And I didn't see it. And so I just flicked on my blinker. In fact, I probably didn't even flick on my blinker. I just, coming over. And I, and I looked up and, you know, he's, it's, it's like I could reach out and touch his nose. I mean, he's right there behind me and I'm thinking, uh-oh. I pulled in front of him. 
Well, I pulled into the store we were going to, and I look up, and he's still there. And I'm thinking, oh, this may not end well. And so I parked real quick. And then God said, go apologize to him. I went, well, what if he beats me up? <laughs> and I went to him, and I said, I said, Sir, I am so sorry. I said, your car blended in to the, to the bridge railings and stuff. I, never, I would have never done that. I would, have, I would have let you, you know, do whatever. And I realized that my heart had been changed. My heart had been changed. He was just in the way of me getting to Walmart or whatever. I don't know where we were going. Costco, it seemed like where we were going. And, and I pulled in there, and he's still following me. Hope he doesn't have a gun. Hope he misses and shoots somebody else. God says, go talk to him. Go apologize. What happened? God works through those things to develop your character. So you can carry the answers that he wants to give you. Just everyday things like that. You say, oh, I don't want that. I found myself in a, in a parking lot one time. Do you know that some people will not put their shopping cart up? And they got all kinds of lame excuses like, well, I don't work here. Okay. But if somebody paid you, would you put them up? Come on, let's just, if somebody paid you, would you put them up? Of course you would. God is paying you through character development. Will you please put up your shopping cart? See, now all of a sudden you put up your shopping cart and God pays you for it. When I learned that, I started looking around going, how many shopping carts are on my car? God is paying today. You pick up three or four of them. Why? Because you're developing the character necessary to sustain under the yoke of answer that God gives you to your prayers. I hope you're getting this. You want your joy to be full. Here's your how. 1 John 1, 5. 5 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence. Here's the, first, here's the first how, through confidence. If you leave your prayer time too early without this confidence, you will not know that you know that you know. You have to have confidence in him. That nothing will move you from that confidence. If we ask anything according to his will. If you leave, you will not have an understanding of the expression of his will. Are you tracking with me? When we stay in his presence, we get, see, I, I didn't tell you what the answer was. I just told you what it looks like. He gives you the why. Because you can't do anything without him. He gives you the what. He gives you the how. Here's, here's how it'll work. You'll have such confidence that that's all you'll look for in your life. How many of you today, if you're staying for carrying dinner, have confidence there's going to be food in there? You do, of course you do. Or if you're going to drive, I don't know where you go to go eat, but, but <clears throat> if you're going to go to the, used to be a buffet, is there still a buffet at Pizza Hut? Anyway, you know, you drive to, to the buffet in, in, in the Pizza Hut Yuma, and guess what? When you walk in, you can have confidence. There's going to be pizza there. See, that's their intent. We do that all the time in the world, but here we don't have confidence in the intent or literally the will of God because we don't know what it is. So then we pray lame prayers like, well, if it be thy will, find his will. 
Stay there long enough till you got confidence. You know what it is. Amen? Here's your quote. Come on, music team, you can move. We'll, we'll, we'll just, I'll probably have to, to bring this back again next week and just get you to see that I'm not trying to teach you that here's the answer. I'm trying to teach you how that answer works from being in the presence of God. You get the why. When you go up before him, you stay until you understand the why. And then you stay until you understand the what. And then you stay until you understand the how. And when you understand the how, you'll know exactly what to look for because your why is so compelling. Here's your quote. If you leave his presence too soon, you'll be frustrated under the weight of why. Why is this happening to me? Burdened down by the what in your life. What is going on? And wondering how this will ever work out. That's some of our lives. Why me, Lord? We sing that song. What have I ever done to deserve even one? And we become a complainer, not a believer. We become a feeler, not a believer. We need to become what God has for us. Because seed time and harvest shall never end. When you sow your life into prayer, you will have his harvest of answers in you. Does that make sense? I didn't tell you what your answer was. I just told you how to figure out why it's there, what it's going to be looking like, and how it's going to come. And you'll be able to watch and see God manifest his answer as it bubbles up through you and comes out your mouth. Amen? Stand with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name today, I thank you that when we pray, we believe. When we believe, we receive. So we have the why, the what, and the how. We know why we approach it. We know what to look for. And we know how it happens. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.